Head over to Hulu this March, where our new shows and movies will keep you streaming all month long. Catch the award-winning movie, Poor Things, starring Emma Stone, Mark Ruffalo, and Willem Dafoe. Check out the new documentary, Freaknik, The Wildest Party Never Told, about the iconic Atlanta street party. And don't miss FX's Shogun, a reimagining of the epic tale starring Anna Sawai. So, what are you waiting for? Go stream something new on Hulu. Every job I've ever wanted, I never got. I always got the jobs that I didn't expect or thought, why do they want me? Or this doesn't seem exciting. And it turns out that they were the most exciting situations I could have. I couldn't have imagined a better situation. Hello and welcome to the 25th episode of Varvet International. I'm Christopher Triumph, a Swedish guy with a podcast, or actually two podcasts. I have one in Swedish and one in English, and it's the latter that you're listening to right now. Today's guest is Enrico Colantoni, and this might be the most bromantic episode to date. I'm not going to apologize for that. I think you're going to have a good time, but Enrico and I, we liked each other and I think that's gonna you're gonna hear that but let's talk more about Enrico in a while first I have to tell you about Uber the show's sponsor they've been with us for a really long time now and I super appreciate it because I love Uber I love traveling with Uber when I get to a new city well I don't get to new cities that often but I just visited LA and New York and I used Uber in both cities it worked like a charm and uh, If you haven't tried it yet, and if you are in Sweden, you have to download the app from any app store. It's called Uber, and try it with the code VARVET, because that's going to give you 150 kroner to Uber around for in the city of Stockholm and the city of Gothenburg. And 150 crowns is going to take you places with Uber. So please try that. And if you're in another part of the world, try Uber anyway. It's fantastic. Just do it. Thank you, Uber, for sponsoring Varvet International. Today's guest is the actor Enrico Colantoni. He was born 52 years ago in Canada and he's one of the nicest guys I've ever met. If you've seen him in anything, and I'm sure you have, he's been in at least 25 movies and even more TV series. If you see him, you're going to think that he's a nice guy. Well, perhaps not if you've seen him in Person of Interest, where he plays a mob boss, but most of the other roles he's done you're going to think that he's a nice guy. And then you meet him in person and he's perhaps even more nice than he appears on TV. Mind-boggling. Anyway, he's been working as an actor since the 80s and he had his big breakthrough in Just Shoot Me in 1997. The sitcom that also gave us David Spade and he was in it for six years. 
And since then he's been doing tons of stuff. I discovered him a little more than 10 years ago in Veronica Mars, a fantastic TV series where he played the dad of Veronica, played by Kristen Bell. And if you haven't seen Veronica Mars yet, please do it. I know that the Veronica Mars movie that came out last year, uh, you can watch it on Swedish Netflix anyway. And I guess you can see the show online somewhere as well if you're internet savvy. Nowadays, Enrico, or Rico as he's also called, is working on the TV series Person of Interest, and he also has a recurring role in Remedy, a Canadian series, and uh, yeah, that's uh, about where he's at in life. Mr. Colantoni was uh, really nice uh, to me. He rescheduled his flight from Canada to New York uh, to make this happen, and he brought his wife, Rosanna, to the Manhattan meeting room I borrowed from the production company Be Real. Hey, thanks, Be Real. And we had a sit-down sometime in March. So, let's roll the tape now. Thank you. What's your ancestry? Italian. So both parents. 100%. Both, both parents. Yeah, okay. I'm the first in my family to be born in Canada. Okay. Yeah. Right. Are we recording, by the way? Yeah, yeah. Oh, crap. We've been recording, even when I was in the restroom, we were recording. <laughs> so, I hope you didn't say No, something. no, that's fine. I didn't say anything. Okay. But I didn't, I mean, I didn't wash my hands. Is that okay? I was the one being in, in well, the restroom. Well, I mean, you know, yeah. knowing that, anyway, yeah. Did you wash your hands? I did, yeah. <laughs> Good. Thoroughly. Yeah. <laughs> I always wait for somebody to stop me when I leave the uh, public bathroom. I go, hey, you didn't wash your hands. I go, man, I didn't wash my hands. I don't pee on my hands. I'm not going to wash them. Uh, okay. Yeah. But you did hold your penis, I guess. Well, I did, but in a way that doesn't really keeps it clean and sterile. Even if you sort of touch stuff yeah. in there? Yeah, I don't touch anything. Okay, no, you don't? Nothing. How do you flush? I flush like this. Okay. With, with so my sleeve. If it's in the summer and you have short sleeves? My elbow. <laughs> Sometimes my tongue. <laughs> <laughs> That's fantastic. Yeah. Did you have breakfast today? I did have breakfast. I had a, a pa papaya. Oh. Not just a papaya, but a pa pa papaya. Okay. Yeah. What's the difference between that and a regular papaya? Just, um, it was a big papaya. Oh. There are little papayas, but a papaya is a big okay. papaya. Interesting. Yeah. So you had only fruit for breakfast? Fruit and some nuts. That's what I like for breakfast. Okay, so are you on a, some kind of diet? No, man. I just, uh, just waking up, I usually like the morning to just ease into awakeness. But this morning, having to get on a plane, it was sort of a, a rush job. Yeah. Had to be at the airport, you know, stuff like that. Do you still do most of your work in the U.S.? Not lately. It's been it's been seven years since I've been in Toronto doing Canadian shows. Flashpoint brought me back. Do you mm-hmm. know that show? Yeah. And now I'm doing a show called Remedy. Yeah. And um, haven't seen that. Yeah, it hasn't. It's only been in Canada so far. Okay. Yeah. And Person of Interest has been the one show that brings me back to New York, which is such a treat for me. Yeah. You like working here? Love it. When I left Toronto, I was 20 years old, and I came to New York City to study acting. So I lived here for 11, 12 years before I went to L.A. And so coming back to New York City is the greatest, because it's changed, but, and, you know, everything's changed. But to be working in New York City, there's no better feeling. 
I have a little bit of a hard time with the pace here. I understand what you're saying. It's hard to get out of your head. I can't survive. I mean, I, I, if you're not working here and you have don't have an outlet, just walking the streets and going home and still hearing the city outside your window gets really, really tough. I mean, I can understand people with a lot of money living way up on the 30th floor. They get to separate themselves from the energy of New York City. Or people getting in a car and then go north. But New York is a... It's a, it's a hard city to live in. Back then, did you live in Manhattan? Then? Yeah. Okay. I lived in Manhattan and Brooklyn. I lived everywhere from Spanish Harlem to Little Italy to Brooklyn and Queens. And you made it work when you were young, when I was young and starving. I have a script here. Well, not a script, but I have some uh, written down some questions here. Well, that's not fun. Let's yeah. talk about politics. Yeah, we will. Oh. There's a lot of politics in here. But my first question is, hello, sir, how are you? <laughs> yeah, that's funny. Thank you. That's really funny. Yeah. I'm <laughs> that's fantastic. I'm, I'm good, man. I'm really good. Yeah? Yeah. You're very impressive. I thought maybe you were going to be really mean. Why It, is that? Well, there was the, just the first moment when you, it was just, the, it was the dryness. Uh -huh, and then okay. I realized, no, he's being funny. All right. That's when that's when I, you went from you know from zero to twenty for me. Okay, thank you. Yeah, it's a good thing. Yeah, thank you. But I'm thinking that maybe it has to do with shyness as well. Maybe. Are you like this with your wife? Are you funny with your wife? I try to be. Uh. Yeah. Because <laughs> you remind me a little of Dax Shepard. Who's that? He's married to Kristen Bell. Oh, okay. Dax. Yeah. yeah. It's a funny man. Have they been married for a long time? No, they haven't been married a long time, but they've been together for quite a while. Because my, my wife showed me a clip with her and perhaps him with... There was some... The sloth. Animal. Yeah, exactly. Yes, he got her a day with a sloth at some zoo or something. That's fantastic. Yeah, I, I thought that they were going to keep the sloth. Just have it as a pet, but no, I was mistaken. Mm. I go, why would she? Why would she do that? She loves animals. Why would she keep a sloth? Yeah, but she didn't. She just had it for the day, and then they brought it back. So you guys keep in touch? Yeah. Well, last year was the Veronica Mars movie, yeah. so we saw each other a lot. That was uh, so nice to see for us fans. Oh uh, yeah, thank you. It was nice for us to to do it. Yeah, we felt dissatisfied with how the show ended as well. I was very upset. And just to be able to have closure for everybody was nice to be able to do. Yeah, I talked about that to the same acquaintance that you, I mentioned earlier, that Veronica Mars, that I wasn't probably in the target audience, but it, you know, with quality, it doesn't really matter. Well, you're a smart man. Because um, I, I would always tell my friends when it was on television that it's not... It's not a teenage drama. It's really a, a good drama about a teenage girl and her dad and her friends. You know, there was nothing sophomoreish about it. It was very smart, elevated. Exactly. You know, yeah. it was inspiring to that demographic of girls, of, of young, young women who needed a role model like Veronica Mars. But so many fathers have come up to me and, and love the relationship. And yeah. No, I'm glad you say that, because it's true. 
I tend to sort of meditate on my guests rather than just doing traditional Wikipedia reading. I, I tend to, well, sort of meditate and try to find the core of what I really want to ask them. And with you, if I would just get to ask you one question, I think it would be, because when I think about someone who looks sympathetic, you are sort of top of mind for me. Mm. And has it, has it ever happened to you that someone goes, oh, I don't like that guy. I can't stand the way he looks. He gives me the creeps. No one's actually come up to me and said that <laughs> to my face. No. <laughs> <laughs> But have you ever yeah. felt it? Surprisingly, Enemy. yes. Surprisingly, yeah, okay. yes. I guess being Canadian, come, uh, there's there's a lot of accommodating. And I know how to be accommodating. But once in a while, I'm not. And that's when people tend not to like you. Do you know what I mean? Yeah. When you're not making their life easier. And it's happened a couple of times where, not intentionally, but just from misunderstanding and spending time with some people that we weren't friends. But over the course of a weekend, because I was just being honest, and honesty really irks people. That's after spending time with you then, but a first impression thing. I mean, do you ever not? Yeah, no, I, yo, I see what you mean. No, yeah. probably never. No. Because I like, I mean, I like, I like those first moments. I like, I like those first moments. I'm trying to be less excited about it because I tend to get overexcited. I'd rather just be a little cooler when I meet new people. Why? And that's uh, a fantastic know, thing. The age. Yeah, I get because it, it, it tends to be exhausting after a while. <laughs> okay, yeah. But I thought the way I met you was very sincere and honest, and and I didn't push and wasn't over the top or anything. Did you feel like I was being dismissive or rude? Not at all. No. <laughs> Then good, and I yeah, can yeah. I can I can begin to relax a little bit. Absolutely, not feel like I have to overdo it. Do you get recognized all the time? Are you that famous here? I'll get recognized enough. To make me feel comfortable with it. Okay. Yeah. It's not overwhelming. I, I still like taking the subway in Toronto. I like taking public transportation. And when people recognize me, it's usually just a thumbs up or a quick wink or a self they'll selfie? come and a little selfie once in a while. They get mm. a little annoying. Uh -huh. Well, you know, when I'm yeah. on the subway and I'm just reading and stuff, I just... But I appreciate those little moments when people do recognize you and... And they just move on with their day, mm. you know. But I certainly haven't been oppressed by it. If we take it back to the beginning then, you were born like 52 years ago. I was. On Valentine's Day, right? Yeah. Well, how has that affected your life? Well, it, it sucked when I had a girlfriend. Okay. It wasn't good at all. Well, you always had to negotiate whether it was my birthday or, or their Valentine's Day. But my wife, Roseanne, has been very accommodating. Yeah. We celebrate my birthday on Valentine's Day. And then we make a special day, another day, and make it Valentine's Day just for her and I. And you, it's easier to get a reservation at a restaurant that way. Yeah, of course. For yeah. sure. In Sweden, we don't really celebrate. We're sort of taking up on that because we're very Americanized. It's really too bad that you are. I'm sorry to hear that. Well, yeah. Because it's such a bullshit day. It really is. It's kind of like Thanksgiving, which is sort of like, I love Thanksgiving as a holiday. But to reserve one day to be grateful seems a little strange to me. Reserve one day to appreciate your your partner and someone you love. It's just 
seems a little antiquated. Anyway, and you were born and raised in Toronto. I was, till I was 20 years old. What can you tell me about your upbringing? Oh, it was awful. Was it? No. No. No, it was pretty good. Yeah. But it was very Italian. It was very demonstrative. The Did you speak Italian yes. at home? Okay. Yes. My mother, my mother and father, my, my father spoke, you spoke better English than my, than my father. Okay. His English was very broken. And my mother, not at all. I had my older brother. I had a middle child. I didn't have the middle child, but I had a sister who was the middle child, and she passed away uh -huh. when she was very young. Okay. Was that before you came to the world? Oh, yeah. No, no. I remember her. I was six years old when she passed. Oh, I'm so sorry. My relationship with her was very, very tight. And um, Why did she die? Leukemia. Oh. Yeah, at a time where leukemia was just like, it was like 40 years ago, right? Yeah, yeah. But my mom really never recovered from that. Mm -hmm. So the dynamic at home was just very, it was sensitive. Okay, yeah. You know what I mean? It wasn't, it wasn't uh, a healthy environment just because my mother wasn't healthy. And my father really, really went into a big depression when my, my sister died. But he came out of it. So there was, there was uh, he brought a lot of positive energy after he recovered from that. But there was a time where, you know, suffering the loss of my sister just was just devastating to everybody. So you usually got it at the tail end, you know, you got... The culture of it was a little abusive by today's standards. But back then it was just like, you know, a shot in the head and a kick in the ass was just a way of saying they loved me. Oh, okay. You know? Yeah. The Italians still like to hit each yeah. other. And, and it was like that at your home as well? Uh, oh, yes. Okay. Yeah, yeah, very much so. My brother got the tail end of it, got the worst of it. He's older by 11 years. but uh, Oh. It wasn't until I was old enough and my father was hitting me in the usual places that I, I think I was like 14 or 15 years old. And I looked at him and I didn't cry for the first time. And that's when he stopped hitting me because <laughs> he knew it wasn't working anymore. Yeah. I just looked at him and I said, okay, doesn't hurt anymore, dad. And he sort of respectfully said, he stopped hitting me. He was just like, all right, I guess, I guess, it, I guess that's done. That's a horrible thing, I think, to do to a child. But you can talk about it now, like uh, you're over it. Well, so. yeah, well, I, I mean, it, 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 it certainly it affected me, but it, I didn't take it personal, really, because all my friends were getting beaten. Okay. It wasn't a thing that, you know, we, we weren't victimized by it. It sort of made us stronger in a funny way, because everybody I knew had the same relationship with their parents at home. But did you feel loved as well? Or? Yeah. Okay. Well, that's what's special about being Italian. But that, that was probably, mo to a young child, that's probably more confusing than anything. Because they can love you as quickly as they're, you know, taking a belt to you. And it gets a little confusing, which the ups and downs is probably a little more uh, abusive than the actual smacks you know? but you're a parent to two children two two yeah yeah but uh have i, I ever hit my kids no oh, but okay. uh, <laughs> well uh, i'm gonna ask you something in, uh, along the lines of that because i'm thinking that if you were raised that way i guess at some point if you don't make a decision about it it's really easy to sort of pass on to you're, the next you're, generation you're absolutely right you're absolutely right and there were times where being a father was the most difficult thing in the world, especially when they're that young and they don't understand what they're doing and how they're pushing your buttons. 
it was a it was a big learning experience for me but thankfully i was smart enough to know what i didn't want to do you know how old were you when you became 30, a father 33 okay yeah i think that's a good thing yeah because if you would have been 18 yeah i guess it would have been more likely no, that you're you absolutely right if i hadn't moved to new york if i hadn't experienced a whole alternate universe from what i had grown up with i could have easily stayed that way but there was something in my head that knew that i wanted more and i don't know whether it was just running away from the circumstance or really really just wanting to experience another world and new york city was it i met so many wonderful different people blacks jews gays feminists lesbians you know what i mean just like uh, people from the south people from from france from italy just everybody came to new york city and they were all my friends and it was like wow and i think everybody needs to experience that diversity canada had it canada is a great diverse country but when you live in a ghetto when you live in an italian ghetto you might as well just live not live in a diverse country your parents were not even middle class or no they were working class yeah yeah so you grew up rather poor my parents incredible people ultimately i didn't i couldn't appreciate them until i was 30 years old then i valued exactly what they had gone through what they sacrificed and why they you know had why they treated me the way they did they never compromised every cent that they both earned went into paying the mortgage and feeding us that's it they never took a vacation we had one car i wore hand-me-downs clothes were not important but the food was quality they didn't compromise on what we ate and they didn't compromise on giving us shelter and that that's impressive the integrity of that that they were both united in that whatever they brought home after a week so this is going to buy the groceries this is going to pay the bills and anything else was just if they managed to put some stuff away they did but that's how they lived their life that's how they that's how they raised us you know did you grow up then sort of i mean i guess you would dream about another life or yeah But don't forget, I grew up in Canada. My education was free. My medical expenses were free. It's a great country to grow up in if you're just working hard to support your family. You can really just, your dollar goes a long way because, and granted, you're paying a lot of taxes, I'm sure, as you do in Sweden, but you're getting a lot for your buck. You're getting a lot of money for you. As opposed to the United States, you know, I can pay a lot of taxes in the United States and I'm still not sure where it goes. You know what I mean? The roads yeah. are still crumbling. The you know the education isn't so good and you still have to pay for private schools it, it it just doesn't make sense in a lot of ways but in canada it's reassuring to know that your do- your tax dollars going to uh good good services but what was your question sorry i i can't remember but yeah me either <laughs> well i i asked you if you uh, dreamed about another mm. life yeah yes i was fascinated with american television it was my shows at that time like james at 15 and uh, the, the the San Pedro beach bums and emergency and Starsky and Hutch i fantasized about not so much the genre of television i was watching but just how exotic america seemed when james when lance kerwin would talk about oregon and moving to boston it was like wow oregon seems not like boston and what is that like 
such a strong fascination for the United States. How would you describe the relationship between Canada and the U.S.? It's a, a fairly complex question. Well, but yeah, it, it kind of is. But I mean, I'm proudly, I was proudly born in Canada and I, I became an American by choice. So I love being a North American, two thirds North American. I'm very proud of that. And like I said, my relationship with Canada isn't the, the Canada that I remembered growing up in. It's become much more com complicated. Has it become more American? No. No, no, it hasn't. And yet, Canadians have a bigger fascination with America. They still want to watch American TV. I'm making Canadian television that people are less interested in Canada because they, they want to see America. Everyone wants to see America. Everybody in the world is fascinated with America. Absolutely. You yeah. know? And growing up in America... There was that. I wouldn't say it was a sense of entitlement because they 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 they're already American. <laughs> But there there's a sense of um xenophobia. Do you know? It it's like American politics seem to be the most important to Americans. It all seems to come I mean my wife Rosanna who can probably verbalize it better because I was so close to it. But what I love about America is that I could come and be an actor. Any actor in Canada will hit a ceiling and want to come to America. My friend is a chiropractor, but there are two schools in Canada, and he couldn't get into either one of them, so he came to the United States, and he's now a very successful chiropractor. It just seems like America offers just bigger. It's it's more available. Yeah, you can you can you can plant something and it'll grow. You can you can nurture something and it'll become something so much bigger than you ever expected because you're putting the work into it. I do believe in that American dream. I do believe in 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 what you sow, you will reap. You know, or you will reap what you sow. It's one or the other. I always get yeah. confused. But that happens in America. In Canada, it's like you know what? Just that's good enough. You don't want to be too ambitious in Canada. You don't want to be overly ambitious because people will they're like the lobsters trying to get out. Of the of the barrel, you ever see lobsters trying to get out of yeah. a barrel? They'll pull you down. That's uh, fascinating to hear because I would say that something significant about Swedes is that we we have this uh, thing called Janta, the the law that you you shouldn't think that you are more than others, and you shouldn't think that you. That's right. Yeah. Yeah, but it's a socialist mentality. Yeah. And it has a, a good thing to it in a way, because you should think about us as a collective. Yes, yeah. yes. but what people underestimate, and the, the free market that sort of defines the world now, I could make a billion dollars. I will more easily want to help everyone else because of that million billion dollars. I'm not not thinking of everybody else. I'm thinking about self-enlightenment i'm thinking about how big can i be and potentially everybody else has the same ability i'm no different than anybody else but when you live in a society where it's like easy easy stop shining so much mm. you know stop shining so much it's not that that's not to say you're not thinking of everybody else mm. but it's different than somebody telling you you're asking for too much who do you think you are really that's right yeah it's like don't put me down Let's lift everybody up. 
I'm not talking about a revolution or no, anything, but, but, but you know, there is a, there's, a, there's a difference. There's a difference. And that's just a spiritual attitude, mental attitude. That's politically, I think that's, that's why the United States is so polarized right now. Cause there are a lot of people that want to, want to stay poor. I'm sorry, but they, they, they do not, not, not financially, but just mentally too. Mostly mentally. And the people like, Republicans <laughs> who sort of want to empower people. I believe they want to empower people. Not that Democrats don't want to. And I'm not, I'm apolitical. I'm not Democrat or Republican, but I understand the value of really empowering people versus wanting to take care of them. But coming from Canada, I understand the value of taking care of people. But those people are busting their ass. Canadians are helping people who are helping themselves. There's not a big welfare state in Canada. I mean, there is, but it's not huge. And those people are still, they're still trying to work, they're working. If you would say that there's a difference in psyche between Canadians and Americans, how would you define that? Americans are born to think that they have to strive for something. They're always ambitious about something. And you could see that the way they bring children up in sports is, is a beautiful thing to teach as far as teamwork and sportsmanship but it's also the the competitiveness in americans is 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 as a nation it's very strong there's drive to be the best and it's understood at the dinner table it's understood at the school level it's just understood and in canada it's it's There's a wonderful quality that Canadians have, and it's really about working hard, but really not taking it too serious. We're going to bust our ass. We're going to work harder than anybody else. But it's not so much about the golden ring at the end of the day. It's just about, I busted my ass. I, I got to do what I wanted to do. There's satisfaction. There's, uh, there's, there's victory in just getting to do something, as opposed to, especially in the film industry, in the TV and film industry, Canadians make TV and films And the success is getting to make it. In America, the success is box office. I mean, it's wonderful when a Canadian film becomes successful and gets notoriety. But the real success is that we raised enough money to pay a hundred people so they can feed their kids and we get to make a movie that we love to do. That's a nice a thing. Lot, there's a lot of, yeah, a lot of people take a lot of pride in that. Is it still like this that socialism is an ugly world in America? Yeah. Yeah, because I think too many of them think it's uh communism or dictatorship or or fascism. But you say that Canada is sort of is a socialist country. It's very socialist yeah. because in its ideals but not but it's still a democratic parliament. Yeah. You know, I still get to vote. Yeah. Yeah. I still get to say I want the country to go in this direction. Do you have more parties than two? Yes, we have uh Well, three that are very strong, but I, I'm, I, you know, I'm sure there are, like in the United States, there are more than two parties, but those are the two parties that keep battling it out. Yeah. The rest of them are just scrapping it out. Which one is in office now? Yeah. The Conservative Party. Okay. But it's very funny. They're called the PC Party, the Progressive Conservative. So they're prog they're conservatively progressive. I I don't understand it. Okay. So they want to go even further further back. Back maybe. <laughs> <laughs> Now we want it to be like the 1700s. 
So when you grew up, it was sort of a, a you weren't always smiling at home. No, it was like it was growing up in the war zone. My father just passed away last year, but he, he and my mom were married for 60, 61 years. They had that, that love, that passion for each other. But boy, oh boy, it wasn't always pretty. And growing up like that, wanting to break up a fight once in a while, just realize, you know what? They're not listening to me. And it, it occurred to me one day when I was trying to break, break them up, not, not physically, but just the yelling is just like, oh my God. And you try to get in the middle of it. And my dad just stopped. And in this calm, calm voice, he goes, why, why are you, why are you trying to, don't worry about us. It was sort of like from la, 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 this lion voice. Ready to pop the question? The jewelers at BlueNile.com have got sparkle down to a science with beautiful lab-grown diamonds worthy of your most brilliant moments. Their lab-grown diamonds are independently graded and guaranteed identical to natural diamonds, and they're ready to ship to your door. Go to BlueNile.com and use promo code LISTEN to get $50 off your purchase of $500 or more. That's code LISTEN at BlueNile.com for $50 off. BlueNile.com, code LISTEN. Hey, everyone. I've been on the go recently. Phoenix, Kansas City, Chicago. If you're like me and have a home but aren't always at home, you have an Airbnb. Hosting your home or a spare room is a very practical side hustle. If you live in a big game town, you can Airbnb your place for fans to stay in. Your home might be worth more than you think. Find out how much at airbnb.com slash host. Boys, does have to come? Just come. Why, why are you worrying about it? Don't worry about us. Yeah. And I went, oh, see ya. I'm going to New York. <laughs> okay, yeah. You know what I mean? He yeah. didn't even know what he did. He didn't even realize the permission he gave me to just go, oh, great. Hmm. Great. You guys are okay. Okay. So at some point you, want, you knew you wanted to get out. Yeah. But how early on did you know that it was going to be acting? I did a I did a, a high school play that I was I had a lot of fun, but I was quickly discouraged by my brother. Okay, because he had experienced the high school play popularity. Uh huh. Okay. You know what I mean? He was I he was the first actor I'd ever seen in his high school, and I was mesmerized by him. Okay. But apparently, his head got so big that somebody came along and just plucked it. And he thought, well, there goes my chances. So when I sort of, when he saw me, his younger brother coming back from the school play and feeling like he, bloop, he was the first guy to just per- burst my bubble. So who do you think you are again? Yeah. Yeah. So it wasn't until I was in university and my, my plan was to become a teacher or a lawyer or something to make my parents very happy. I took one class in theater thinking that it would be fun. But it was in that class that I got the support that I needed from my teacher and from my other, my peers. And they were the ones who said, you need to go to New York. You're too talented for Canada? Something. Yeah. My teacher said, don't stay in Canada, just go to the, to New York. And that's all I needed. I needed that permission. Fantastic. Yeah. How could you afford it? I didn't. I couldn't. I worked. I took a year off. And the irony is, is that my father helped me. He didn't have a lot, but once he was, con- once I convinced him, once he knew that I was serious, I was getting on that plane and I was going, and he spent a whole year trying to tell me 
otherwise. But once he realized that I was serious, if he had a hundred bucks, he'd give it to me. Okay. But mostly uh, I worked, I saved money. And then I went to the American Academy of Dramatic Arts right here at Madison and 31st. And it was just enough money to get me through the first year. And, and it was a three-year program. And then I came back to Toronto between the first and the second year. And I went back to my old high school. And the principal there, Father Ted McLean, priest, a bazillion priest, looked at me. And I, was, I lost like 30 pounds because I was eating bouillon cubes and, and white bread, wonder bread. So I lost a lot of weight. And he goes, what happened? And I ah, you know, Father, I'm just a starving actor in New York. He goes, well, are you going back for your second year? I go, no, I can't. I, don't, I can't afford it. He goes, come into my office. And he wrote me a check for $5,000. Wow. And he said, you go back and you finish. Wow. And um, he, he was a great man. Yeah. No strings attached. No. He said, he said, you know, I don't expect it back. But one day when you find success, just give it back. <laughs> yeah. And I have. Okay. Yeah. At what age? It was 15 years later. Okay. But he was still alive. Well, he had passed. Ah, okay. But I turned it into scholarships for the school, for students that wanted to pursue theater arts. Yeah, fantastic. Yeah. What a great thing. Uh, it was just completely, I mean, I, I, I owe it all to him. Is college uh, free in Canada? No. No. But okay. it's not expensive for people who live there. Okay. And unfortunately... They're accepting people from all over the world. The higher, there's a higher percentage of, of uh, foreigners coming to school in Canada than there are Canadians. Why do you say unfortunately? Well, because when I was there, it was Canadians going to Canadian schools. Yeah. And you'd get the education that you were entitled to. But now there are a lot of good, smart Canadians that can't be educated in Canada because 60% of the class are, are, uh, are being filled with... Because there are only... How many... There are not a lot of schools. But even smarter people from the rest of the world, or? Yeah, I'm sure they're smarter, but they're paying more money. Oh, okay. All right. So it's becoming a business, isn't it? Uh-huh, okay. But I'm not opposed to, you know, the smart guy from Japan or wherever coming and learning. But what it does is, is uh, it for Canadians, they don't, they don't have the... They're going to have to come to the United States. <laughs> And then Canada has a shortage of, of doctors. Well, why? Because how many Canadians were allowed into Canadian medical schools? Anyway, it's yeah. like I'm not trying to fix the world, but I, no, but I just know too many smart people who can't get into, into their own university. But let's fix the world. I'm, I'm thinking... Okay, let's yeah. fix it. Yeah, but right, no, good. but seriously, what do you think is important? As a planet? As a country? As a, a person, person and a, a planet or as a humanity. Person, or as a person, you're, you're right. There's only one ultimate lesson that we... And, and, and it's a spiritual lesson. And it's really to recognize the spirit in each other. And that's it, plain and simple, to have respect for one another. But really, really, it, with, an, with an openness and an acceptance and a reminder that, that God is, is here. Oh, you know? So you're religious. I'm not religious. Okay. No. I, I believe in God, though. Okay. Yeah. This is interesting. How, yeah. how do you... There's a difference. Okay. Yeah. Because I was born Catholic, but I don't prescribe to Catholicism. But I read scripture. 
I read the Bible and I, I accept it as truth, but I don't, I'm not dogmatic about it. And I don't believe in the struggle that I was taught as a Catholic that I saw in my parents. I don't believe in celibacy. I believe in the celebration of life. And that's because we all are spiritual. But that's not, that's not a religion. I don't go to church on Sunday, but I pray every day. Okay. And I bless my food every day. So you've sort of picked the... The best yeah. of all of it. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. But it's all from the Bible. You, 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 I, yeah, you, a lot of it. I mean, when I moved to New York, again, that was one of the... It was a rebirth for me because I met people who were Taoist and Buddhist and Jewish and... And it was just, uh, it was like this, this great feast of, of minds. And I read about Buddhism and Taoism and, you know, Shirley MacLaine was very effective in her books that I read, you know, quite openly, the new age stuff and Hinduism and just like, you know, reincarnation and all that stuff. I just, it just, it just reinforced the basic lesson in all religions, you know, and I think there's a golden rule in every religion. The golden rule of do unto others as you would have them do unto you. That's it. Treat people the way you want to be treated. But growing up, you went to church all the time, I guess. Yeah, kicking and screaming. Okay, yeah. Yeah, I didn't want to go. You you weren't. I went to Catholic high school. Yeah. I didn't want to go because I I immediately saw the hypocrisy in the house. My parents were fighting. There was no respect. I mean, they didn't show respect. I guess deep down they respected each other because that that made their marriage last, but there was no real respect. And so, you know, we're talking about love, but I'd go home and they just didn't see it. And also, I mean, with the Catholicism. Catholicism. Thank you. Yeah. And with the, um, what do you call it? When you confess and yeah. sort of uh, yeah. give a little money and then yeah, you sin away. Well, I yeah. get I get the whole idea of tithing. I understand tithing and just you know having money and giving it to a church because a church does a lot more than just preach. They they have schools, they have outreach programs. They're doing good work, absolutely. And, you know, and I believe that. But isn't it funny how in America, it's the church that'll help you. It's the local churches that will help you when you need something. It's not necessarily the government. Whereas in Canada, you just expect the government to provide these services for you. Yeah. If you're a victim of rape, Canada has a service. You know, if you're a victim of anything, Canada has a service. They have a service for everything. In America, it's like, well, you go to your church. Would you recommend America to, to adopt the Canadian? I don't think it'll succeed. There are too many people. Yeah. I think it works in small countries. How many people in, in Sweden? 10 million. Yeah. It works very well with 10 million people, I'm sure. How many in Canada? 30. Okay, yeah. 30 million people. Yeah, so much 33. space, you guys. So much space. <laughs> Sweden, too. I mean, you could touch yeah. the North Pole. You could just jump. Nobody oh. lives up there. Same in yeah. Canada. It's like so much open space. Beautiful country. I can imagine. I think think about that every time I fly over because, well, you know, we come in from right. Greenland. Yeah. And down. It looks so cool. And with all those super long roads... Looks yeah. super cool. Yeah, it is a super cool place. I would love to go. I'd like to go to Sweden. Your wife has been there. I know. Why haven't you? That was you? before. Okay. We, 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 
Roseanne and I have known each other over 30 years, but we only re-met each other six years ago. When you came to New York, Father... Father McLean. Father, Father McLean, McLean he, yeah. he paid for your second year here. Yep. Did, you get, did you get to go to the third year as well? Yeah. By that time, the school gave me a scholarship okay. to come back. Because so you were out. so talented? I guess, yeah. They gave me money to pay my tuition and... Um, And then I, I had made enough friends at that time where I could just, I always found a job to work under the table. Okay. And um, so I survived that way by delivering food and and I'd make, you know, 50 bucks and stuff. And What was your first paid actor job? There was a, a tabloid journalistic, a journalism show called A Current Affair. And um, I reenacted the last days of John Belushi. And they gave me a wig and some mutton chops and I didn't have to say anything. They just filmed me in strange situations and they gave me 600 bucks. It was like, it's fantastic. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Which year is this? You were young when you started, right? I, I moved to New York when I was 20, 20, almost 21 years old. Yeah. So that must have been a fantastic time. Yeah. Yeah. It got better. I mean, I was still, there wasn't an opportunity where I didn't think, I'm, I want to go home, I want to go home, I want to go home. When I realized that I wasn't working after I graduated from the academy, I decided to go back to school and I applied to the Yale School of Drama because I knew by that time, I'd spent enough time in New York to realize that to carry a spear at the public theater, an actor had to come from NYU or Juilliard or, or Yale. And uh, a friend of mine had auditioned for Yale the year before, and I went up there with her, and I loved it. It was so beautiful. So I thought, you know what? Why not? And it was spending three years in New Haven that helped me understand the geography of America, that it's not just about New York City, that America is beautiful, and there's beautiful regional theater all across the country. And I began to think in terms of just outside of New York, And so I graduated from the Yale School of Drama with an agent this time, and I was in New York. And I call that year and a half the best year of my life because it was, I was living with the spirit of the actor warrior, that spirit that was just so surrendering to New York. And you were going out on auditions and you were getting good feedback and you felt alive, but you only had $20 in your pocket and rent was due like in three days. And there was no way you were going to pay your rent. But at the 11th hour, a job comes in and you do two days on a soap opera or you get a play and you just filled with that life force of just, I'm an actor in New York. And there's no greater feeling than being supported by this mysterious energy. Didn't matter. It didn't matter. Somehow you made it. Somehow yeah. you survived. And that thing just led to other things, led to other things. The next thing I know, I'm in L.A. And next thing I know, I've got two kids. And next thing I know, I'm back in Toronto. Next thing I know, I want to come back to New York. And it's, it's just, it's been a ride, man. Yeah. But uh, how old are you? I'm 41. You look younger. Well, Do people uh, tell that. Thank say you. That? I guess no, <laughs> no, no. Well, yeah, perhaps. But I'm, I'm looking at your skin, and I. I noticed that your your facial skin is better, way better than mine. And I'm, <laughs> I do something wrong. I'm, uh, no, I'm not I sure. I think it's Mediterranean. Uh huh. Well, yeah. yeah. Okay. Yeah. Why do you I wonder how old I am? Because you look like a surfer guy. 
Okay. Like a 20-year-old surfer guy. Uh -huh, okay. But you're smarter than that. And I know you have a child, a six-year-old. Yeah. So I know you're grounded in something, but you're doing something that is so fun and out of the ordinary. You refer to it as a career, so I know you're committed to it. Yeah. You know what I mean? So there's this 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 thing that I'm that confuses me because you look so young, but yet you're so I had to ask him sorry. Well, uh, I didn't mean to no, 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 that's fine. Embarrass you. No, but it, no, you didn't. I would guess that for a person to succeed as an actor, I guess that they should have a genuine interest in their fellow peer or another person or in people in general that yeah. that you have to sort of be uh, yeah. yeah yeah and i see that in you i mean i mean you thought about me and oh yeah, yeah. no you're fat you're fascinating to me okay thank yeah, you yeah it's interesting and um, thank you for saying that I, i do appreciate that in fact i think that's the biggest issues my wife and i have okay because i don't judge And she's like an old-fashioned Italian broad who just like don't cross her because it, it, it's <laughs> it's like how could you do that? It's like because because one day I'll have to play the devil or some you know evil person. Yeah. And somehow I'll have to justify that behavior. Yeah. You know. But that's fascinating. I mean, she means that by not judging, you put yourself in in trouble. Yeah. How is that? By accepting. By understand by by trying to understand somebody instead of protecting yourself. Okay. And I'll try to understand. That's fascinating. I don't, I'm not I'm not I'm not argumentative at all. No, and I'm, I'm going to try to use a word that I'm not sure what it means. But <laughs> is it derogatory to say that you're sort of a you're not typically the the main character? Right. I'm a supporting actor. Exactly. I'm a, Thank I'm you. a character actor. Yeah. Yes. Yes. Yeah. Does that have to do with well that has to do with marketability right yeah that has to do with uh who's really watching and it's it's young people that are watching and i'm lucky enough for them to see me as father or you know uncle or grandfather that's that's cool but i you know i missed the i missed the the window in my 20s when i could have been the sexy guy or the lead guy but like you know i was losing my hair it was just Did you do that earlier? Yeah, I've been losing my hair since I was 20 years old. Okay. Yeah. So I never looked like that guy. But you you look uh, really I mean you you look nice. We're back to that. Yeah. Looking sympathetic. Yeah, sympathetic, yeah. But it's hard I like it, that word. I yeah. Mean, thank but you. It, it would be hard for you to play the devil. I think we we see uh evil dramatized on TV and film irresponsibly. Because I think it's it's the guys like me that are the the guys that are the devils. Do you know what I mean? Yeah, yeah. It's not the guy who you know looks in the camera and says I'm going to kill you. Those guys are just you know, it's the quiet ones. Yeah. Have you reached your full potential? No. When I was a young actor, I was uh, selfish, self-involved. I couldn't let a lot of people in unless they were on the same road with me because that's what I wanted. I wanted a certain idea of success. And then kids happened and suddenly it's not about you anymore. And um, I couldn't make it about me anymore. It had to be about just taking jobs that paid money to feed them. So I didn't, did I want to end up just doing television? No, that wasn't the plan. 
I really wanted to be a part of a community that experimented and really expanded because life is expansive. The universe is expanding. Talent, anybody's talent should expand and keep expanding. And I, I felt since, since I became a father, everything just sort of has just been humming. And coming back to New York to do person of interest reignited something for me because the smells of New York, working with someone like Jim Caviezel and, and, uh, and Michael Emerson, just inspiring people, you know what I mean? Just, and the writing on the show is just really, really exciting. I'm only now getting excited about, and now that my kids are older, like 17 and 14, my daughter still needs me very much, but my son's already thinking about, where do I want to go? And it's just like, great, fly, go. Cause the minute you're fl you, you start flying, I, I, I'm going to, I'm going to, I'm going to beeline it over here, man. I got, I got shit to do. Mm. I want to do plays and I want to write movies and I want to direct films and I want to, I want to do that shit. And I want to, I want to, I want to go back to exactly where I left off before you guys came around. So I, I, I I'm not done. I'm not done, but I'm, you know, I'm, I'm a responsible human being. So I had to, I had to put myself in the back burner for a while. I had to, and, and how lucky am I that I get to support my family by what I love to do? I'm the luckiest guy in the world. So I'm not looking down on TV. I just, TV's getting exhausting because it's like, it's, it's, the hours are long and it's hard. It's just like, I want to do a play again. I want to direct something. I want to write something. I want to collaborate with other people. I want to play jazz, you know, like, not real jazz, I'm not a musician, but the idea of improvisation, that, that idea of like working with other actors and creating something. Now bring that, man. Something that changed my life was when I heard another podcaster, Mark Maron, interview Louis C.K. Right on. Louis C.K., I, I might, because I've told this so many times, so I can't really remember what he said anymore. I've sort of made the quote my my, my own, but but uh, he said something along the line that he was a, a successful New York comedian, and he did like tons of shows every night, and and things were working out for him. But when he became a father of of two girls, he realized that he had to take responsibility for his career in a wider scope. This is sort of what you're saying, but the opposite. The opposite, because what I did when I became a father was that I, I realized that, shit, man, I can't be working in advertising anymore because that makes me depressed. Uh, and if I'm depressed, mm -hmm. I make a lot of money, but when I get home, I'm not going to be a good father with that. I have to do something in the, during the day that makes me happy. Yeah. Most people can't do this. I was really fortunate to be able to change careers at the age of 38 or something. But it was such a fantastic thing that my fatherhood made me sort of listen more to my heart and what I yeah. wanted to pursue. I mean, I understand I I understand what Mr. K is saying. <laughs> yeah. And I understand what you're saying. And I wish I had the awareness to go, okay, I need to go bigger. But I was already at a place where I thought, this is, this is where I wanted to be. I was making a lot of money in television in Los Angeles. And I go, well, it, it, can I go further? 
Is this? Uh, I couldn't understand. So are you I, doing just shoot me at this point? Yeah, or? yeah. I was doing just shoot me, and um, and that was a huge success. That was, and and it was more money that I ever even seen. Okay, yeah. And I knew that that okay, I I don't want to ruin this. If I was a theater actor, if I was a theater actor just making five hundred, six hundred bucks a week, I might have, I might have been able to understand. Okay, I need to go bigger now. Yeah, because I have two kids. I went to fear. I went to a place of like, yeah. I I don't want to lose this. No, of course. I mean, I live in a socialist country. If that would have failed, there would have been a system to support me. But you right. were working in Los Angeles. Right. It's a whole different thing. Yeah, of course. Yeah, you have to put money on the table. Yeah. No, not money on the yeah. table. Food, food, on, food the table. on the table. Yeah. yeah, but that's so interesting. I'd never seen it that way. It's like there's a difference. If you've got this, you need you need to jump. Yeah, but I wasn't in that position. I was I was coming from fear of losing. Of course, what I thought was like the golden goose. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, goose that laid the golden eggs. But if you would, for some reason, retire now, do you have in- enough money to support no, yourself and no the family? Way. No, okay, no way. I mean, I you know, I've got a good pension with SAG and stuff, and I mean, I've got enough of a pension and money to just sort of live modestly. But no, I'm paying alimony and child support for a long, long time, so it doesn't matter what I make. It's going, it's okay. going to them directly. I mean, yeah. You know, poor Rosanna. So, you know, I mean, we 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 do very well, but it's not. Uh, I need to keep working. What does she do for a living? She's well, sitting there, but she has. Yeah, uh, no, she worked. Uh, she worked at the airline for for thirty years, and then when we remet, she was a miserable human being, and I knew better. She was tired. She was getting three nights. She was getting, on average, three nights, three hours of sleep a night for the past five or six years. Okay, yeah. She was a single mother two teenage kids and i go you you gotta get out we'll we'll be fine well you don't need to work right now as long as i'm working you don't need to work and it's been five years and she's just alive and a better mom and grateful and just that's healthy and happy so yeah she hasn't it wasn't my plan i mean of course i you know i wanted to do something because otherwise she's just sitting in the room with me everywhere i go every time i turn around she's around and i'd like her to have something for herself but she's not there yet she's still resisting the guilt of not working you know because she a day doesn't go by where she goes i have to do something i go no 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 you can just enjoy this how are you with that because i'm i mean as an actor you I would assume that there are periods when you don't have to yeah. to do yeah. anything. And yeah. does that? How does that? It, it's nerve wracking, but I. But that's just because that's the time where I have to remind myself of who I am and what I want. It was never about making money. It was never about. I mean, I wanted to make a living, but it was never about that. It was always about expanding the life force, expanding, cre- just being creative on some level mind body and spirit just coming together and being creative writing something and so as long as i go back to that and i can discover that in making a meal i can discover that in reading a book i can discover that in so many ways this it's happening now you know what i mean just your mind and and just it's beautiful it's like it's to me this is this is generating income we're generating income man fantastic yeah 
how much plans do you have now? How, how much do you know about your future? Very little. Now you're in New York for yep, person, person of, of interest. interest. For how long? Till the end of the month. Okay. Yeah. That's not that That's not much. bad, but that's like, you know, that's it's not every day. It maybe maybe, you know, over the course of the next two weeks, two and a half weeks, maybe four or five days. And then I, if I'm not working, I want to be in LA and just picking my kids up from school and hanging out with them cuz and then come September, I'll probably have to go back to Remedy which keeps me busy and makes my money for for the rest of the year. But why are you why, why do you live in in Toronto? Like I said, when when Flashpoint happened, it brought me back to Toronto. And I I I was reminded how much I love Toronto and being back home and seeing old friends and the smells of growing up. I made peace with why I left. And I knew I'd run away and I knew I needed to go back home eventually and just make peace with that and at the same time i i i'm still paying child support and alimony so i have to keep working so when remedy ended when flashpoint ended remedy started the pilot that i was supposed to do in california and in america didn't get go so and remedy you know it's like as long as i'm working somewhere that's where i'm going to go until my kids are fine and i don't have to pay anymore then i can go you know what i'm going to go back to new york and i'm going to start doing the things I love to do again. Are you going to move here? Yeah, when Remedy doesn't come back, I think I want to come back here. Yeah. Would you say that you have made mistakes in your career? No. No, because the things that have come to me came to me. Every job I've ever wanted, I never got. I just never did. I always got the jobs that I didn't expect or thought why do they want me or, you know, this doesn't seem exciting. And it turns out that they were the most exciting situations I could have I couldn't have imagined a better situation. Just shoot me Veronica Mars Flashpoint, you know, Galaxy Quest. Yeah. Those are movies that were just like this is like I well, I don't want to do this. Oh, but they want you. It's like, okay. And it turns out to be the greatest thing in the world. But that's usually how it happens. So your intuition isn't very good. Though. Not at all. No. <laughs> It's awful. Yeah. It's awful. <laughs> But then again, I'm older now and I go, well, I never really had an intuition. I just knew I wanted to be a working actor. And that's exactly what my intuition led me with. It's like my intuition got me jobs that lasted. Not shows that ended after three episodes, but good solid shows that had legs that established something that had longevity. Yeah. that kept me working. It's like, wow. That, that my intuition was right on, but my ego was way off. Tell me about a uh, a job that you wanted but you didn't get. Well, it started in New York City. I wanted uh I wanted to be in the John Patrick Shanley play. Didn't get that. My friend Reg got that. Mm -hmm. And then there were, you know, every time um back then it what, what was his name? Did Picket Fences, did Boston Boston Public, he did Oh, I don't have Wi-Fi. Anyway, oh, well. anyway, there were a couple. Of, there, were, there were always TV shows that that he was doing that I wanted to be a part of so so much. I just wanted, I just wanted to be a part of the exciting potential TV shows, but never never got them. Rob mm. Thomas was a relatively unknown. Stephen Levitan was just coming off Wings. Just Shoot Me was his first show. 
I wanted Battle Creek. It's a show that's on now that Vince Gilligan wrote 10 years ago. Okay. And I was supposed to do it 10 years ago, but CBS never ended up picking it up. And now that with the success of Breaking Bad, they're coming back and they're making oh, okay. Battle Creek. Yeah, yeah. So I'm looking at Dean Winters, who's an old friend of mine, and I think he's wonderful, but that's the role that I was supposed to play 10 years ago. Yeah, okay. But you you didn't, like, audition for Breaking Bad or so? Not this year, no. no. Not anymore. No, no, yeah, no, that, that was a funny story with, with that. I think Vince is still mad at me or something. Because uh, he, he called me early on in the first season for a role, and I couldn't do it because I was on hold for something else. And that was the last time I spoke to him. So I'm thinking that, you know, you can only say no once to Vince Gilligan and yeah, that's yeah. it. No second chances. I hope he calls you when he I hope so says, too. I think yeah. he's, even then, even before Breaking Bad, I knew he was, I mean, he was writing X-Files and stuff. He's just, just fantastic. You said that you want to write uh, movies and direct movies. Do you have ideas already? Yeah, I've written a couple. I mean, I have, I don't think I want to be a screenwriter or a director, but I've got three or four stories in my gut that I just want to tell. And they're personal stories. They're not they're not necessarily commercial or anything. And why doesn't that happen? Because I'm busy making a living. But are you that busy? Yeah. No. I'm not that busy. I'm not that busy. It's a, it's a it's a mind shift. I'm only Ah, uh, Chris. I'm sorry, man. No, I'm embarrassed to say it. But I became I became a working class guy that just worked long enough to want the time off. And I just wanted to be a dad. And I, I think caretaking and creativity somehow just don't, I don't know how to marry those two. I don't think it's possible. To be creative means to go lock yourself in a room with other like-minded people and stirring in the pot and, and, and being creative. When you got kids that want to need to be fed and, need to be picked up it's just it's just i can't and i'm not going to sacrifice them for that i'm waiting i'm just waiting waiting to have that space in my mind where i go okay they're good i'm going to go back and write that story i'm going to go back and put that money on a short play on, on a play take my i used to do that every year on just when i was on just shoot me every year i take a paycheck and i produce a play that i could do that's very cool I, I mean, it was the only way to keep me sane, but I haven't been able to do that because there's just no money like that to do. It's like it's going, it's going to them. But when that stops and money keeps coming, I want to take that chunk and say, "Okay, come on, guys, we're making a little film. Here's a hundred thousand dollars. Let's go make a film." Can you make a film for one hundred thousand? No, no. But we'll make something. It'll be the beginning of something. But your children are American. They're not yeah. Canadian. Well, they're Canadian by naturalization, but they were born yeah. in America, yeah. But do you bring them there? Oh, yeah, they yeah. love it. Okay. Yeah, yeah. And they is your mother it. alive? My mother is still alive. Okay. She's 90 years old, but she's in a wheelchair, and she's like a little dementia out. But she's still there. She'll wink once in a while. My brother's there now. My brother's in Italy taking care of her. Oh, okay. They're in Italy. Okay, she moved back. 30 years ago, more uh, than 30 years uh, ago. Oh, okay. Yeah. I didn't know. How was this about? But uh, well, they retired in Canada, and they just moved back to Italy. They've been there for more than more than 30 years, maybe 30, 35 years. So your brother lives there now? He retired. As, he was a police officer in Toronto, 
And he had five years of retirement in, in, uh, in Canada where he was just trying other things and managing restaurants and stuff like that. And then he realized, you know, I'm going to go home. Mom and dad are getting a little old. I'm going to watch them a little bit. And he's loving it. And where in Italy is that? L'Abruzzo, L'Abruzzo okay. region. They make spumante, right? I don't know. I'm not sure. I'm sure. Sure I'm they not, do. I'm not sure. Everybody, every, every region in Italy makes their own version of spumante and torrone. You know, whatever. Everything else. So you go to Italy uh, once in a while? Yeah, I'm going in May again. Okay. Yeah. How yeah. is your Italian? It's pretty good. How is your French? Lousy. Your French? No, no, no. But no? Uh, but I just assumed that you had to learn French in Yeah, no. Canada. If I lived in Quebec, I would have to. I All would, right. That would be bilingual. Trilingual, but, but no. Growing up in Ontario... He just taught a little French in school, and that was it. I have a, a, a friend, uh, Adrian. He's a comedy nerd, and he, he's a what? He's a comedy nerd <laughs> and a stand-up comedian yeah. back home in Sweden. And I promised him that I would ask you how you found your voice in Galaxy Quest. When I was at the at the the drama school at Yale, we did vocal exercises to open up the resonators, seven resonators, top of the head, forehead, here, throat, oh, wow. chest, blah, blah. Is that the same thing that opera singers do? I am sure. To, singers, yeah. To be yeah. able to yeah. sing to the whole room. Yeah, because yeah. you need to, because this, this is a vibrant, this, the head vibrates and resonates, and you want your voice to just resonate. One of the exercises was... And you do that for hours, right? And that was Mathazar. Yeah, all right. We will save us You are your commander. You will save us commander. Fantastic. Don't tell anybody. No. Yeah. Well, it was a vocal exercise. Okay, cool. Yeah. Would you like to recommend something? Anything? There are, there are a lot of things that I'm working on. Probably the most important thing is I, I, I work with a, a charity that helps first responders, you know, police officers, paramedics, firefighters deal with post-traumatic stress. And we're working on a documentary right now. We're still raising money for this documentary, really talking about the romanticism of TV first responders versus the reality of the first responders and how some of the same people became police because of the characters they saw on television and suddenly here they are wanting to end their lives because they just didn't they just didn't realize that it would be so real so we're doing that documentary it's called the other side of the hero and if anybody can go online and just look for it and support it and spreading the word maybe if they got five bucks they want to contribute to it because um you're right making a movie for a hundred thousand dollars is difficult Documentary is usually two hundred fifty, three hundred thousand dollars. We're a little shy, so money would be great. But more word of mouth is just would just be great. It's called the Other Side of the Hero, and the charity is the Tema Conter Memorial Trust. And our slogan is "Heroes are Human." So those two things are working hand in hand. But boy, oh boy, we'd like to take it outside of Canada because I, I'm sure. I'm sure even the people in Sweden have come to rely on their police force and their fire departments. And I don't know how much they're suffering. I don't know. I don't know what the situation is there, but I'm sure they're suffering quietly. 
all over the world because uniforms translate. Police officers, military, firefighters, they see the same shit all over the world, man. And it's not something that you can justify as a human being, some of the things they see. It's hard to, it's hard to rationalize one, what other human beings are capable of doing. So everybody needs a, an, an arena, an environment where they can talk about it and not feel like they have to be silent about it. In Ontario, in Canada, just between from last year at this time to now, like 29, 29 first responders took their own life. You know what I mean? It's yeah. just like, this isn't right. No, nobody, course. nobody in that position should have to, which should be taking their own lives. Because these are people that we rely on to help us. We don't need them. We need them healthy. Yeah, of course. Anyway. Who do you think I should interview on Varvet International? You know who comes to mind is uh, is uh, Steven Soderbergh. <laughs> I'd love that. I've done I've done three films with him, and he's 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 the epitome of everything. He's the quintessential artist, successful artist, who really has his own integrity and his own beat. He does what he wants to do. And he's just, he's, he's soft-spoken and mild-mannered, but he's funny and he, he's articulate. But he's probably the only guy that I, I feel that is the balance of success and integrity. That's not, not fair to say. That's not, that's completely not fair to say. There are wonderful artists who are successful. They're doing exactly what they want to be doing. There's not, it's not a, it's not a compromise on any level. But he's just somebody that I recognize close to me that just, I mean, when he, on his film sets, it's, he works with the same people. He's his own camera operator and director. And he's got his longtime producer, first AD. So it's really quiet. You don't hear the hustle and the bustle. Next thing you know, you're just filming a scene and there's no, okay, slating, sound speed, blah, 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 quiet on the set. You just hear, all right, action. Hmm. And I heard that about Clint Eastwood too, but I've never worked with him. But I know for facts, Soderbergh is just, he's perfect. Thank you so much for taking the time. It was a, a, a really a pleasure to meet you. You're very kind and you're wonderful at what you do. I warned you guys, he is super nice, isn't he? I hope you think so anyway. And if you want to follow Enrico on social media, that's Rico Colantone in one word on Twitter. And if you want to follow Varvet, that's Varvet Pod on both Instagram and Twitter. And if you want to send us an email, please do. It's varvet at triumph.se. And Triumph is spelled T-R-I-U-M-F. All right. And thank you so much, Uber, for sponsoring the show. And thank you, Acast, for distributing the show. And if you haven't checked out their app, it's uh, Acast on any app store. And same goes for Uber. That's Uber on any app store. Try those two apps. Tell Head over to Hulu this March, where our new shows and movies will keep you streaming all month long. Catch the award-winning movie, Poor Things, starring Emma Stone, Mark Ruffalo, and Willem Dafoe. Check out the new documentary, Freaknik, The Wildest Party Never Told, about the iconic Atlanta street party. And don't miss FX's Shogun, a reimagining of the epic tale, starring Anna Sawai. So, what are you waiting for? 
Go stream something new on Hulu. Botox Cosmetic, out of botulinum toxin A, FDA approved for over 20 years. So talk to your specialist to see if Botox Cosmetic is right for you. For full prescribing information, including boxed warning, visit BotoxCosmetic.com or call 877-351-0300. Remember to ask for Botox Cosmetic by name. To see for yourself and learn more, visit BotoxCosmetic.com. That's BotoxCosmetic.com. Tell us what you think about the show or whatever. Email us. All right. Thank you so much for your time. Talk to you in two weeks. Bye-bye.